Good morning. Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us over at our chapel, down at our Minnetonka campus, and online as well. Uh, great to be with you all. Uh, hey, if you brought an offering today, a gift to give to our mission and vision here at Calvary, you can do so in a couple of ways. You can drop it off in the boxes outside the doors as you leave, or you can go online to calvary.org give. We're starting a new series this morning about giving. Aren't you excited? Uh, we're calling it Keep the Change. Uh, we're going to talk about being generous with our resources for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, now, it kind of goes without saying, but talking about money, uh, especially when it comes to giving to the church, is one of the most difficult things to talk about. Uh, it's one of my least favorite, to be honest. It's uncomfortable, it can sound greedy, and unfortunately, there's no shortage of examples of churches that use fear, guilt, or even spiritual manipulation in order to get people to give. And on top of that, it can kind of sound pretty disingenuous from someone like me who's on staff uh, at a church. Uh, obviously, I have a vested interest uh, in everybody's generosity. So I just want to acknowledge uh, the difficulties revolving around this topic. But hopefully, by the end of this series, maybe even by the end of the morning, we'll be able to move past some of those obstacles, those negative connotations, and not only understand God's heart for us to be generous, but to actually be generous. But I don't want to sweep that discomfort or any hesitancy you might have under the rug. And I definitely do not want to use fear or guilt or spiritual manipulation in the process, because those just don't work, uh, at least not in the long term. Our, here, our, our desire here at Calvary is that everyone would learn to give regularly and generously. And I don't mean just to the church. I don't. The Bible invites us, all followers of Jesus, to adopt a lifestyle of abundant generosity, to understand that our lives are meant to be a blessing for everyone around us in a lot of different ways. Scripture says it's better to give than to receive. And honestly, it's hard to believe that, right? that it's better to give than to receive. Well, that's what God says, that there's this inherent goodness and blessing in living generously. And we want everyone, whether you consider Calvary your church home or not, to experience that reality and that we can all grow in our generosity as we grow in our relationships with Jesus. Now, those of us who do call Calvary home, we, of course, hope that you will choose to give here as well. But it's more than that. The point of this series is that we would grasp the vision, the lifestyle that God is inviting us into of being abundant in general. Now, the challenge for a preacher like me uh, is that not only is the subject of giving uncomfortable, 
But honestly, it tends to be really ineffective. It just does. I mean, every year, you know, churches all across, I was going to say the nation, but even around the world, uh, try different ways of motivating people and convincing people that being generous is a good thing. But it's really hard to change our financial habits. And I'll be the first one to say, like, I don't stand up here being like, I figured this whole generous thing out. Uh, I know that this is a, a growth area for me. And obviously, we want to submit our finances to God and learn what it looks like to follow Jesus in the process. So today, we're going to try to keep things pretty simple. I want to have a straightforward and just frank conversation about giving. And obviously, I do hope that it's motivating, and I, and I hope that it changes all of us and how we relate with our money. So three reasons for why we should be generous, why we should give. First, everything belongs to God. That's the first reason. I think that the, the best New Testament teaching on generosity is found in a letter to the Corinthians uh, in two chapters, chapters eight and nine. I encourage you sometimes to read these whole chapters, but we're just gonna kind of do an overview. So Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, and it seems like the believers there, the followers of Jesus there, are pretty well off. Uh, they have resources. They have money. But there's some other churches in another part of the world, in Macedonia, that don't. Uh, they're struggling, they're suffering, and they're very poor. And uh, Paul is writing this letter in part because he's planning to send a couple other leaders in ministry to come to the church in Corinth to actually collect an offering, and then bring it to these struggling poor Christians in Macedonia. Uh, this is what Paul writes in chapter 8, verse 14. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. So Paul's doing something similarly to what I'm trying to do this morning. He's having a frank conversation about money and need and generosity. But this is how he wraps up uh, sort of his pitch, his little sermon uh, to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verses 13 through 15. As a result of your ministry, which is really just their generosity, he says, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And then here's the sort of the punchline. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. There's a way, Paul is saying, in which our generosity points to the good news. It puts the good news on display. It communicates that we give ultimately because God has first given to us. Now, there's a myth that we often believe. It's the myth of mine, that everything that we have belongs to us. After all, we earned it, right? But in this passage and in many others like it, the Bible invites us to actually have a different mindset, to have a different posture, a different attitude about our stuff 
and about our money. And this is where giving and generosity really intersects with our spiritual lives. Because we're invited to recognize that absolutely everything that we have, including our very life, is a gift from God. And there's this humility that's evoked when we believe that, when we live in that, when we acknowledge that reality. And everything that we have, the way that we engage with our stuff, our money, our resources, is radically transformed when we adopt this mentality. Just think about it. God created everything. He created the universe. He gave us life. The very breath that we have in our bodies is a gift from God. It's ultimately his. The joy that you and I have the privilege of experiencing in life. The ability to perceive things through our five senses. Everyone just like touch your fingers together. That's a gift. That's given to us. We don't earn that. We don't work for that. It's a gift. And I find myself that the more that I grasp that reality, the more gratitude that I have. The fact that I can feel the warmth of the sun on my skin or that I can taste delicious food. The fact that I can smell rain on a spring day. It's a gift. The fact that we can experience love or purpose and meaning. The fact that we have a genuine notion that we're individuals, that we're people, is a gift. It originates in God. And when I begin to, again, grasp that, I experience awe. It's indescribable. I experience reverence. And also this deep humility because, man, I take it for granted. Don't you? That the very life we have, everything we have is held together and sustained and given to us by our creator. There's this passage in the Old Testament book of Chronicles that I think summarizes and describes this posture really well. It's talking about how King David is collecting resources for the building of the temple. Uh, The first time it's built, it's this momentous uh, time in Israel's story. And all of the tribes of Israel come with their generous contributions so that the temple can be built. And David is humbled. And he gives this song of praise to God. It says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Here's the humility. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? 
Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Living in this conscious recognition, adopting this posture that everything we have belongs to God, leads to willing and joyous generosity. And that's what we want. I want that. I want to live that way. And we want all of us here at Calvary to live that way. Everything belongs to God. Or as Paul writes to the Corinthians, this is what he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And the same is true for everything that we have. Now, this doesn't mean that you didn't earn your money, okay? It says, this doesn't mean that your financial situation isn't dependent on your work ethic or your skill set. Of course it is. But it's a myth that it ultimately belongs to you. Because none of us could do anything without our bodies or without the material world that God gave us. When it comes down to it, everything belongs to God. And that's how the scripture wants us to think about it. And that's how God wants us to behave and engage with our resources. And when we do, when we live as though everything we have is God's, we're more inclined to give generously because we're not clinging to it. We're not thinking, well, this is all mine and I deserve it and I'm gonna spend it on myself. And when we live generously, there's a way Paul's telling the Corinthians that we proclaim the gospel, that we proclaim this reality that we give because God ultimately first gave to us. And the greatest gift of all is the gift of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. It gives us hope for life eternal. So why should we give? Because it all belongs to God. That's the first reason and the posture that God wants us to adopt. The second reason, giving reveals our values. My four-year-old Liam, he loves to play games right now. That's probably his first request every morning when we wake up. Dad, can we play a game? Can we play a game? And he loves all the classic kid games like Uno and Go Fish and matching games. But he actually prefers games that are designed for people much older than him. We have this uh, ridiculous strategy card game. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Exploding Kittens. He loves to play that. Oh, I have another fun strategy game where you, you work with the, the people you're playing with against the game. Uh, it's, it's called Forgotten Island. He loves that one. Um, he likes playing things like Ticket to Ride. 
Isn't that bizarre? Probably his most favorite one, though, is Monopoly. He loves Monopoly. I hate it, but he loves Monopoly. <laughs> and uh, he likes the original, but we also have sort of a, you know, another kind of Monopoly based off a of game. Here I have a picture of him. Um, we are, are playing there together. And what's really cool about Monopoly is that you learn how to manage money. Like there's some good lessons that you can learn with it. And let me tell you, this kid needs to learn about money. Um, I mean, we all do, right? But most, most kids do. He doesn't understand how money works. We go to the store and he doesn't understand why uh, I can't just buy him all the candy he wants or all the toys or why we can't buy the live lobster in the tank at hy V. <laughs> yes, we go look at it every time and every time he goes, Dad, can we buy one? Dad, can we buy one? I think he wants it as a pet. I don't think he realizes that we'd eat it. Um, but one of the, the truths that I want to teach my kids and I believe that we all need to be reminded of is that where we spend our money reveals what we value. And this is just true across the board. How we spend our money reveals what we value. The reason why Liam wants to buy candy is because he likes it. The reason why he wants uh, to, to buy toys is because he values toys. Why do I spend 15 bucks a month on an Amazon subscription? Because I really value convenience, right? Why do we spend money on TV subscriptions like Netflix, Disney Plus? We value entertainment. Maybe your family uh, spends a lot of money on sports or on music. Why? Because you value it. You think it's worth it. Where we spend our money reveals what we value. That's just true. We can't get away from that. So then the question is, how does your value for faith or for caring for those who need it, how is that reflected in your budget? Now, I'm not trying to shame you. This is just a frank conversation. The, the truth and the reality of money is that where we spend our money reveals what we value. Now, chances are all of us, myself included, we say, well, I, I actually value lots of things. I value my faith. I value causes that address the needs of hunger in the world. I, I value things that address the, the, the problems we have with, with the climate and the environment and God's creation. I care about those. Well, the question is, well, do we care enough to give money to it? And that's a question. Where we spend our money reveals what we value. You know, when Liam asks me to buy candy or toys or live lobsters, I, I try to explain to him that the reason why we don't is because there's other things that we spend money on that matter more, like our mortgage, our groceries. Those matter more, and so we have to make sacrifices and not spend money on things that matter less. Now, how powerful would it be that if we sacrificed things that mattered less so that we could invest more money in things that, that mattered more. And think of as a family, if you were able to communicate to your kids, like, hey, the reason why we don't go out to eat all the time, the reason why we don't just buy whatever we want is because we believe that God has given us everything we have and we want to use it in a way that expresses what really matters. And so we're going to make sacrifices for inconsequential things. 
that are just for our comfort or just for our entertainment sometimes because we want to care about things that actually matter. That'd be really powerful. Jesus teaches his disciples this truth in Matthew chapter six. This is what he says. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now there's two truths, two sides to this truth. On one hand, we can look at where we're spending our money and we can say, well, that's where the desires of our hearts are. And I, again, I encourage all of us to go think about that. Like, wow, I really value Starbucks, right? And we might realize that, ooh, I'm caring a little bit too much, uh, too much about things that don't matter. But the other part of this is that where we invest our money can actually increase our value for something. And so we can actually kind of choose to care more about something by investing in it. Take, you know, the, it, it, it's just true. We care more when, when money's at stake. Take fantasy football, for example. Uh, we're in the midst of the NFL season. Some friends, some groups of coworkers, they do fantasy football just for fun. There's no uh, financial stakes. Everyone just drafts a team, and then, you know, they go through the year and see who wins, and it's fun and whatever. But there's other people who pay money to play because then there's a pot that you can win uh, at the end of the season. And it tends to be the case that people who play fantasy football with some money invested, care more about it, right? They're more involved. They pay more attention to the games. Uh, they change their rosters uh, more attentively. And that's just because it's reflecting this truth about money, that where our money is, the, there the desires of our hearts will be. We care more when our money is invested in it. So what do you care about? What are your values for you? What are your values as a family? What do you want to value more? And then consider giving generously to something that lines up with that thing that you want to care more about because the desires of your heart will naturally follow. Now, hopefully, uh, those of you who call Calvary home, will, that, that you'll consider that our community, that our church is something worth valuing, right? We have all sorts of programming and events, countless initiatives, purpose to invite people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what we want to be about. It's ultimately about where all of our generous giving goes to as a church. And, you know, we're so thankful to offer excellent programming for kids and teenagers because we believe that the faith of the next generation is worth everything. The high schoolers right now are on a retreat up at a Bible camp. My wife uh, is up there as one of the leaders. And I heard last night that there were two high schoolers that committed their lives to Jesus for the first time. Isn't that amazing? That's what we want to be about. It's worth everything. We believe that discipleship happens better in circles than in rows, which is why we communicate and invest in our small group ministry. We recognize that, hey, a relationship with Jesus is a lifelong growing experience, and that's why we believe in discipleship, which is why we're doing things like Wednesday community nights. You know, we also know that God calls us to care for those who don't have. 
who are in need, which is why we partner with local and international organizations that spread the gospel by caring for those in need. On average, as a church, we give about a quarter million dollars away towards those initiatives. Giving reveals our values, and we do hope that what we have collectively, those of you who consider Calvary home, you believe that this is valuable. So just consider, hey, what what are you spending your money on? Does it reflect what you actually want to value? And then find ways to give regularly and generously in ways that actually do line up with those values. Values for faith, for discipleship, for outreach, for, for providing for those in need, you name it. So why should we be generous? First, everything we have belongs to God. Reason two, giving reveals our values. And third, organizations need money. This is just true. Like, this is probably, like, the one reason we don't like hearing about the most, but it's the most practical. Like, any cause you want to support, any great, valuable thing you want to see done in the world needs money. That's just the way that it works in our society and with our global economy. And just like many other organizations and many other ministries, churches are nonprofit organizations, which means that all of our expenses, building expenses, staffing expenses, program expenses, are completely dependent on the generous giving of people like you and me. It's just how it works. And we wouldn't be able to do all of those things if we all weren't contributing as a church to what we have going on. Everything needs money to run on. It's one of the biggest reasons why we should be generous. So, I mean, anywhere that you choose to to be generous, whatever cause or organization, one of the biggest reasons why we should give is because they need it. They need money. Now, when it comes to the church, I, I think it's important to distinguish between the church as an organization and the church as a community of followers of Jesus. I personally think it's really unfortunate that we use the same word to refer to the two different realities. Jesus uh, says this in Matthew chapter 16. Now I say to you that you are Peter, it's one of his disciples, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now Jesus isn't saying, and on this rock I'm going to build a really big building with a super high steeple and a cross on it. It's not what he's saying. Uh, The word church is ekklesia. The root word there is ek. It just means out. Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a community of people that are called out from the world to be faithful to God. The church is ultimately a group of people. You know, the book of Acts, it's found in the New Testament. It's sort of a historical record of the earliest followers of Jesus. And as we read through Acts, we realize that, hey, the, the early Jesus followers didn't have a building that was designated for them to meet in. They, they most often met in public places, sometimes in the homes of wealthy patrons. Yet even before there were specific buildings, before there was real big churches, 
The Bible addresses these practical financial realities that occur when you gather a bunch of people together. It's assumed, for example, uh, that when Christians gathered together in the first century, they often shared a meal. Well, guess what? Someone needs to pay for that. Someone needs to supply that food. Uh, And there was also uh, some leaders in the community that devoted extra time and effort and energy and their, their knowledge and talents to lead the community. This is what Paul has to say about that to another young church leader in 1 Timothy. It says, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Now, the early church, they did not have the same budget considerations that we do in our modern day and age, but they had expenses, they had staff, they had food costs, and the Bible has no problem addressing those practical financial realities, and we shouldn't either. And I don't want to overly spiritualize that or overly, overly moralize the fundamental reality that organizations need money in order to function. If we're going to exist as a church, if any movement or project or organization that we value and want to support, if, if we want them to fulfill their function, they're going to need money in order to do it. We have this mission to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. And our organization and its structure and our initiatives are dependent on our generosity to do it. Now, the body of Christ, the kingdom, the church, is not dependent on that. Praise the Lord. But, again, hopefully, if you consider Calvary your home, we should all be taking responsibility Uh, for for the costs that it takes uh, to do what we're able to do for the glory of God. Now, the best thing for any cause that you want to support, any organization, including the church, is is for for those organizations to have predictable income. It's so that we can plan for a budget year, any organization can plan for a budget year. So if you really want to be a blessing to a movement, a cause, an organization, the church, sign up for online monthly giving. Pretty much every organization out there is going to have uh, you know, an online way to do that. Ours is calvary.org slash give. Because here's the thing, uh, there, there isn't, you know, we're, we're not creating products to sell, and so income is completely dependent on when people choose to give and how much people choose to give, and that can create a lot of uncertainty in, edu- in, in any certain budget year, especially like a year like this when we see all the inflation going on. Um, So if you want to partner with a cause, partner with an organization, partner with our church, really consider giving monthly and regularly and just having it set up. Because then again, it's not just something that you have to decide in the moment, right? Like, oh, do I value this right now? No, you're saying like, no, I just value this period. We do that with all sorts of things, right? Our, Our YMCA memberships, our Netflix subscriptions. We say like, no, I just value this. This is just getting taken off the top. And then I have all this other money that I'm deciding how to allocate it. When something really matters, we just say, nope, this matters, and I'm going to give to it. So I just encourage you to consider doing that. All right, why should we give? It all belongs to God. Giving reveals our values. Organizations need money. Those are the three practical, frank, straight-to-the-point reasons. Now, I want to wrap up this morning with just a couple of words of wisdom that Paul gives to the Corinthians as he's encouraging them to be generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Obviously, the goal of this series uh, here at church is that we wouldn't leave feeling inspired. It's that we would actually choose to give, right? And this is Paul's desire, too. He didn't want to send his ministry partners to Corinth and for them to say, yeah, we got Paul's letter. It was really put together well. You know, we really thought it was a good word on generosity. No, he wants them to go and for there to be a, a... actually something for him to, gr- to bring to the churches in Macedonia. We just finished uh, our series on, called Follower because we know that this isn't about believing the right things. It's not about thinking the right things. It's about aligning our lives and our priorities and our choices in a way that reflects a life of discipleship. So you just have to decide. What do you value? What do you want to give for, give to, and then how much are you going to give? Determine that by yourself, if you're married, talk with your spouse about it, and then actually do it. Because again, the goal is to live an abundantly generous lifestyle. We must each decide what to give. Look at this verse again. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, other translations say, or out of obligation. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I hope you hear my heart today and you don't feel pressured or ashamed or that there's spiritual manipulation happening. That's not what I'm trying to do. I do hope that you feel motivated. I hope, I hope that you have insight into our money and our values and the importance of being generous. But God wants our generosity ultimately to flow from hearts that are impacted by his good gifts to us, just like that story in Chronicles willingly and joyously. That's how David described the people's generosity. Because there's this blessing in being generous. God wants something for us, not just from us when it comes to living generous lives. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Now, this is not a prosperity promise. It's not that, uh, you know, God's going to give you double whatever you give out um, and all of that nonsense. That's not what we're saying. But there's a richness and abundance that God provides. We, we began in Corinthians where Paul's talking about these really poor people in Macedonia. This is what he has to say about them when he first talks to the Corinthians. He says, now I want you, the Corinthians, to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Listen, but listen to this. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. These poor Macedonians have so much joy in the Lord. They live in this reality and have this attitude that's described in that story in Chronicles to such a degree that even in their poverty, they overflow with rich generosity. That's what we want. That's what I want for my life. And that's what we want as a church, that we would be known 
for overflowing in rich generosity. And that's relative, okay? It's relative depending on how much money we have, right? But it's that posture, it's that attitude. And there's this beautiful blessing in being generous. So give generously, give cheerfully, not out of compulsion or out of obligation. And we can, as one united body of Christ, we can continue to do what God has called us to do. We can proclaim the gospel. We can care for those in need, and we can help people grow in their relationships with Jesus. Consider what you want to give, and then do it. And we can live lives of abundant generosity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that everything we have is yours. And I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you help us to believe that. Help us to live that way with our resources. To not be stingy, to not grasp hold of, to not hold on so tightly, but to understand that, God, where we spend our money reflects what we value, and we want to value what you value. We want to care about what you care about, and so we give you everything we have. It's all yours anyway. We ask that you work in our hearts and our minds, that you align us with your will, and we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.